Welcome to MedSider, where you can learn from experienced medical device and med tech experts through uncut and unedited interviews. Now, here's your host, Scott Nelson. According to a recent LEK survey of hospital executives, 56% of the respondents have taken steps to reduce medical device sales rep access to their facilities. In fact, the CEO of an Illinois hospital stated, we're constantly trying to limit the sales reps. We want to see what they're selling before they get a hold of a doctor who brings it in without our knowledge. At least one, one answer is obvious, right? Hospitals are clearly not looking for advice from medical device sales reps. So what solutions are they looking for? Here's what a director of purchasing in a Minnesota hospital wants. We would really like clinical outcomes data. For example, we want to know if a knee replacement that costs two times as much as a competitor's knee is actually going to last double the time as the competitor's model. In other words, hospitals want to understand the cost-benefit analysis for the medical devices they purchase. That's one idea medtech companies need to embrace. But what are the other three? In this interview with Jonas Funk, Managing Director at LEK's Chicago office, we learn about the four-step process that medical device companies should consider in light of the current healthcare environment. Here are a few of the points that we're going to cover in this interview with Jonas. What are the most pressing challenges that medtech executives are facing right now? We're going to learn and get an overview of LEK's most recent strategic hospitals priority study, how it was conducted, who was involved, etc. In the pursuit of customer excellence, what are the four key questions that medtech companies need to answer right now? Are hospital administrators the new KOLs? And what is the one concept that medical device companies need to implement right now? Of course, there's a lot of other subjects that we're going to cover in this interview, but before we dig in, listen to these brief two messages. First, to get free email updates when another MedSider episode goes live, simply go to medsider.com forward slash free. We don't send emails often, but when we do, they're full of valuable content. No spam ever. Just go to medsider.com forward slash free to sign up. Second, MedSider is on iTunes. Just go to medsider.com forward slash iTunes, and you can subscribe to the podcast for free. That way, all the new episodes will automatically download to your iTunes account. It's super easy. Also, if you like the podcast, don't forget to rate it. That really helps us out. Okay, for you ambitious doers, here's your program. Hello, everyone. It's Scott Nelson, and welcome to another edition of MedSider. And for those of you who are new to the program, uh, this is a show where I... Uh, interview experienced uh, med tech and medical device thought leaders in an effort to uh, learn as much as possible and then hopefully implement uh, one or two uh, big takeaways. And uh, today's guest on the program is Jonas Funk, who is a managing director and partner in LEK Consulting's Chicago office. He has more than 15 years of experience in LEK and has directed hundreds of consulting engagements, uh, primarily focused on growth strategy and uh, mergers and acquisitions support within the medtech and life sciences verticals. Uh, Jonas also co-founded the Tokyo office and has assisted dozens of clients in developing their Asian strategies. So without further ado, uh, welcome to the program, Jonah. Great to be here, Scott. Thanks. Okay. So, Jonah, let's start here. Um, you, you have the, uh, the opportunity to consult with, uh, ha- discuss with, and, and probably in, mo- in a lot of cases present to uh, a lot of med tech executives and decision makers. So in your opinion, what do you think are um, 
are the one or two most pressing challenges that, uh, that those folks are facing right now? Yeah, um, I mean, I think the biggest challenges that they face kind of relate to you know, how to navigate some pretty substantial changes that are occurring in the healthcare industry, and you know, particularly with respect to transforming their organizations to be successful, um, to, to be successful med techs going forward. And you know, fundamentally, what we're seeing is a shift from you know the old fee-for-service world to a new world. Uh, where outcomes are going to be much more important and costs are, are much more important. And the old model that med techs were very successful with um, is, is not going to be as successful in the future. So the kind of you know, making great products and convincing clinicians to use them uh, worked well for a long time, but, but given some of the macro changes that we're seeing, uh, that model is, is very much um, changing. And the challenges that, that a lot of our clients are, are facing is how to uh, essentially, you know, um, respond to those, those, those changes given that a lot of the historical focus and capabilities have been in, you know, um, kind of areas that, that might not be as well aligned with the success in, in the future. So um, that's probably the, the high-level <laughs> um, summary of, of what's keeping them up at night. Got it, and we'll we'll probably uh, we'll we'll definitely get a chance to dig into to uh, some more some more details for sure. Um, but you've been with Lek now um, for for quite a few years. Does it seem like before I ask you a little bit about your background and Lek in general, does it seem like uh, now uh, now is just a more crazy time uh, than than it ever has been within sort of the healthcare space? Yeah, I think that's right, and I think some of the you know, uh, changes are, are actually happening faster than the healthcare industry has been used to. Mm-hmm. And so it is um, kind of required for executives to, to be able to respond, you know, faster than, than I think was required in, in the past. So, yeah, I think that's right. A lot of, a lot of changes, both from a, a reimbursement and regulatory perspective, are, are, are out there, but at the end of the day, it, it's hitting the manufacturers in, in very specific and important ways that um, I think they're collectively trying to get their heads around and, and respond to. Got it. Okay, so we're, we're, gonna, um, we're definitely going to dive into um, the release of your 2013 hospital priorities study. Uh, but before I ask you about that study and then some of the um, some of the ramifications or or um, outcomes that that you uncovered in, in this in this most recent study, um, give us a little give me uh, give me and the audience a little bit of an overview about your background uh, and then also uh, Lek in general. Sure. So um, I think you summarized my background pretty well. I've been doing this for about 15 years. I spend pretty much all of my time in what we call the med tech space. Uh, and, and helping our med tech clients grow and, and develop strategies to grow. Um, LEK is a global management consulting firm, about 1,000 people ro- worldwide, uh, offices in 20-plus countries. Um, and our hospital survey that you, that you alluded to um, is our fourth uh, annual hospital survey, so we've done this four years in a row. And the goal of the, the study is to... They, to essentially get a good sense of, of what hospitals are thinking in terms of their purchasing uh, patterns and their and their needs with respect to med tech companies, 
Uh, and so we've been uh, surveying and monitoring those those needs and perspectives for the last several years to get a you know, kind of ongoing sense of what their what their wishes are of their suppliers as well as to get a, a better sense of how some of the the industry changes are, are manifesting you know in in kind of the hospitals minds. Got it. Okay. And I want to ask you a little bit more about uh, you know how the, how this particular study uh, is conducted each year. But um, in regards to your background. Um, I, if we have time, I definitely want to. I, w- I definitely want to uh, ask you about your time in Asia because that's um, uh, that's definitely interesting. So hopefully we'll have time for that. But uh, one question in regards to Lek, um, your Lek's consulting sort of services, you span a lot of different verticals. It's not just med tech and life sciences, correct? That's right. Um, but in the U.S., almost fifty percent of what we do is is healthcare okay. related. Okay. And within healthcare, we have sectors that are focused on the payers or the providers, um, biopharmaceutical companies, and then for me personally, I'm focused in our med tech practice, okay. uh, working with a lot of the big medical device and, and diagnostic players. Got it. Okay. Um, so let's, let's, uh, let's transition to the, actual, the, the 2013 hospital study. Can you uh, uh, provide us with a little bit more uh, detail in regards to you know, how it's typically conducted, um, you know, who Who's involved, uh, and maybe more specifically, um, where are you getting the responses from uh, in terms of uh, the, the role, you know, the, the the role at the hospital that you know a particular person would play, uh, and then um, and then you know let's talk about some of the uh, we'll tr- and then we'll segue sort of into the some of the key outcomes of the study. Yeah, of course. So it's um, for the last four years we've done it, and it's been focused on hospital administrators uh, versus clinicians. So. Um, very intentionally, we've been focusing on the administrators, and uh, about 200 respondents to our to our survey across a representative mix of hospitals, big and small, academic, non-academic, um, urban, rural, and, and so on and so forth. Um, and of the respondents, about 100 of those are C-suite, so CEOs, CFOs, COOs, uh, versus the other 50% that are kind of other administrators that are involved in the um, purchase decision-making process, so uh, VPs of procurement, materials managers, um, and, and, and people basically in the purchasing functions at hospitals. Got it. Okay. Um, and you mentioned just, that, that's in, an interesting sort of side note, but you, you touched on it just real briefly. These are responses not just from, um, you know, larger, you know, 500-plus bed hospitals in major metro metropolitan mm-hmm. cities. Uh, you're also getting responses from more, you know, from from the outlying community hospitals as well. That's right. That's Got it. right. It's uh, it's intentionally representative mix of of the overall market. Got it. And this and your hospital priority study has it always focused on administrators uh, versus uh, versus or in contrast to clinicians? It has. Um, although I think over the last year or two, we're particularly, um, uh, I, I'd say glad that it's been focused yeah. on administrators because um, several years ago we, we saw the, the beginning of a trend for greater influence uh, among the administrators in, in purchase decision making so we thought it would be a good group to, to start surveying and indeed over the last several years we're seeing a very pronounced trend for a greater greater involvement and influence of those uh, decision make of the administrators in the decision making process and their respective needs for kind of more economic considerations, not just the clinical considerations that you know we've typically been used to 
um, among the clinician stakeholder groups that have been the primary call point targets for med tech companies for a long time. Yeah, and I and and I'm, that's why I'm pretty anxious to get into into the uh, the outcomes of this of this study and what it means for for med tech and medical device companies. Um, but I love the fact that it's it's administrator focused because you know so many so many times the word the word KOL or key opinion leader, you know, within right. the med tech space is often thought of as the clinician or the physician. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> but more so now than ever, you know, it's it's going to be probably you know um, ad, you know administrators within large health systems and. Um, or not just health systems, but administrators in, in the hospital, in you know, in large hospitals as well, that that are yeah. you know going to be considered KOLs, uh, which is you know kind of an interesting concept. Um, if you're if you've been sort of entrenched in med tech for a while. Yeah, I think that's that's generally right. I don't want to kind of overstate it. I, the clinicians, in particular, you know, leading clinicians and, and key opinion leaders and department heads, certainly have uh, a, you know a point of view that they will share. Uh, that can be, you know, very influential in specific departments or for specific products. But the, the general trend that we're seeing is a kind of gradual migration from kind of the, you know, the clinician chooses what product he or she uses to, at the minimum, you know, kind of a, a conversation or a, you know, value analysis committee decision that involves administrators where there's much more scrutiny on, well, what's the benefit here that we're potentially paying more for? Um, and we're seeing, you know, obviously the clinicians becoming employees of, of mm-hmm. hospitals and hospital systems. So their kind of independence and kind of ability to, to kind of um, dictate what products they, they want to use is, is also kind of uh, declining. So there is this, this trend that we do think is important, but I don't want to give the suggestion that it's completely, you know, uh, outside of, of, of doctor and clinicians. Right. Um, hand- yeah, no, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And anyone who thinks that uh, you know that positions have no impact, I mean, it's, it's foolish. In fact, they still have, in my opinion, they still have a lot, if not the majority of of the influence. But with that said, you know, if you uh, you know, they just have less uh, arrows in their quiver, you know, um, yeah. to <laughs> uh, to sort of um, use, you know, when they're um, um, when they're you know in some of these value analysis sort of meetings um, and whatnot. But uh, um, any, anything else about the survey that stands out before we kind of get into to some of the, the key outcomes? No, I think we've, we've covered the, the main points of it. Okay, so let's, let's jump to um, uh, sort of the, 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 four que- the, the four, I said the, the, que- the four key questions, I should say, um, <laughs> that, uh, uh, that med tech companies uh, need to answer in light of... Um, you know the data from this, the the survey, as well as just your you know your your research and 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 and, and uh, sort of insight uh, in dealing with uh, in dealing with the space. Yeah, sure. So there's, I think there's there's four key questions that that we've kind of identified that I think together help um, kind of illuminate the the need for companies to kind of go from just thinking about you know excellent products. To be thinking about you know the what we call customer excellence in addition to product excellence. So the the four questions that uh, kind of relate to customer excellence is is first and foremost, uh, you know what problems can can we solve or at least help solve uh, for for our customers. So you know obviously you know every company has a portfolio of products and. Uh, there's a range of different things that those products do, but but often it can get very muddled. 
uh, particularly from the point of view of a hospital administrator that, that that's looking at a, a large number of potential partners and that's trying to, to find a smaller number of partners to work with more closely. And, you know, it's really helpful if those those partners can be very clear about what problems they're solving. Is it they're going to help reduce hospital-acquired infections or are they going to help lower readmission rates for certain types of patients like heart failure patients? Are they going to help improve productivity or efficiency in a certain department like the OR or the cath lab? Um, are they going to help reduce medication errors? There's a whole host of problems that hospitals have and having good clarity about what problems you know, a med tech company is, is really all about solving is, is a pretty critical first question to answer. And it's not to, not to suggest that there isn't multiple problems that a single company can, can um, be trying to solve, but I think that's a good starting point. What are the key problems that you know, you're trying to solve for your customers? Got it. And, and before you move on to the second one, I love the fact that, that you, you touched on this and that, uh, that that seems fairly obvious, you know, figure out what problems are, you know, customers are, are motivated to, you know, to, you know, to solve that are relevant to, you know, your exact offerings. But, but so many med tech companies lose sight on the fact that they need to be more clear and communicate better in regards to how their products solve those problems. So I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you touched on that. The second, the second one is, you know, given that problem, what's the, what's the optimal solution for that problem in terms of not just the, the products, but also some of the, the services that could be part of that solution. Um, and, you know, sometimes the, the optimal solution can involve kind of capabilities that might be outside of a, a med tech sweet spot. And that doesn't mean that that can't be part of the solution, whether it's via acquisition or partnership, you know, med techs, we think, are going to need to be more proactive in uh, essentially reaching out, finding the, um, you know, both product and service kind of extensions to make their um, their solution really come to light. And, you know, a lot of that's going to involve um, healthcare IT platforms and, and partnerships uh, as, as so much is, is kind of moving towards a need for, for better metrics and monitoring of outcomes. Um, so just having a good product isn't, isn't good enough if you can't help monitor and, and, and measure its, its outcomes. Um, and so you know, a, a closer review of what actually is the solution and what appropriate um, products and, and, and services should be part of that is, is the second question. Got it. And an example, a recent example of that would uh, maybe tell me if you agree with this, would be Medtronic's acqui recent acquisition of, of, is it Cardiocom, I think, was the, was the company? Would that be an example of, of this? Yeah, that's, that's a perfect example. I okay. think you know, Medtronic is, is probably taking the lead in communicating at least the, um, the broader goal of becoming more of a solution player, uh -huh. uh, of expanding into more healthcare services, uh, recognizing the, how the landscape is shifting, and Cardiocom you know, which is a, a company that um, that Medtronic just acquired, I think it was just a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, um, to help with uh, re remote monitoring of, of patients for, for heart failure and uh, ultimately for other chronic disease states as well. That kind of bridges the gap between, you know, acute settings and, and non-acute settings. And, and ultimately, Medtronic, I think rightfully, 
uh, is positioning itself to to be a, a broader kind of solution player that isn't just dealing with the problems within the hospital, but also is, is helping kind of take it outside of the hospital, which I would expect to be uh, attractive to, you know, ACOs and, and, and more integrated systems, you know, as they take on more accountability and uh, and care a lot more about things like readmissions for, for heart failure patients. Got it. So, yeah, that's a great example. You know, others, I like the, the striker acquisition of Ascent, you know, a, a reprocessing company um, that, you know, takes devices and, and reprocesses them to give hospitals a, an option for a lower cost uh, kind of solution for its instrumentation in, you know, in the OR. So, you know, kind of giving not just the existing products, but a reprocessing service on top of that is, is another good example. Got it. BD made an acquisition of a company called Cato, C-A-T-O, uh, that's a software company, you know, kind of outside of BD's, you know, kind of traditional core, um, but again, kind of expanding their, their reach and, and broadening their solution to help hospitals reduce the risk of medication errors. So just a, a couple of examples of companies that are taking some, some steps kind of outside of their comfort zones, but expanding their, their offerings to, to be a bit broader solutions that ultimately I think will be, you know, kind of, um, you know, the way that, that all companies will, will, will need to be successful. Got it. No, those are, those are great examples. And in fact, I, I don't know when BD acquired Cato, um, that's, I'm not sure when that was, but that's, that's another, that's another interesting, interesting, uh, example. Um, so, so good. Let, let's shift to that third, uh, that third, that third kind of key question. Yeah. So, you know, we, we talked about the, you know, knowing what your problem to solve is at the first one. The second one is around understanding what the optimal solution should be. And the third question is, well, how much value can you actually bring to your customers, you know, with that solution and how do you quantify it? Because, Increasingly, the threshold for um, kind of success or the the need that the hospitals are asking for is, is just a much higher threshold for how does this solution actually help me? So, you know, just saying that your products or, or solution is going to help reduce, say, hospital acquired infections, isn't good enough. Uh, you have to actually be able to show very specifically. Well, these are the types of infections that the solution will address. This is the frequency by which those those infections will will um, you know be be reduced. This is the cost of those infections. You know, being very clear about what that um, value is that the um, med tech company is bringing to the customers is, is really becoming much more uh, critical as hospital customers and administrators are just putting a, a you know looking at things in a, in a in a finer light and needing to have a strong economic argument to justify any sort of uh, significant change uh, and certainly to justify any sort of solution that's, that's priced at a premium. Got it. And there's, there's, you know, we're talking a lot about economic value and I'm uh, emphasizing that over kind of the clinical value because I think med tech companies have historically uh, placed a lot of emphasis on the clinical value and communicating that to the clinicians. Not suggesting that that clinical value is still important. I'm just kind of making the point that increasingly the need to communicate how much value in economic terms is is becoming um, table stakes as well. Even though currently the med tech companies aren't doing a great job of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Great. That makes that makes that makes sense. And so um, on, let's let's move on to the, that that fourth major question. Yeah. Well, that's just an extension of of the, of the last question about the, the value proposition, and that's you know what's the best way to communicate and deliver on that value proposition. So you know what types of documentation or evidence and, and tools can help the medtech company focus and clarify the value proposition to the right stakeholders. Mm -hmm. So in, in many instances, you know, the stakeholders might, uh, that the, the stakeholders that might benefit from a solution might be in multiple different departments and have very different needs and, and um, kind of perspectives. So, you know, for example, um, you know, helping helping reduce medication errors or infection, let's say infection control. You know, that can help, you know, uh, ad administrators reduce costs associated with those, those uh, HAIs. Uh, it can help kind of the risk management people within, within the administration. And obviously it can help the clinicians and, um, and, and other you know, nurses and doctors as well. So a bunch of different stakeholders will benefit, but actually being able to put together kind of a clear set of documentation and tools that kind of appropriately focus the right message to each of those stakeholder groups in, the, in their terms is, is the last thing that I think um, MedTech should be thinking about in terms of how do they effectively take that solution yeah. Communicate, uh, define the value proposition, and communicate it to the right folks. Got it. Yeah, and like you just said earlier, the, that fourth key question is basically: our, we've got our sales and marketing arm. How do how do we take what we've learned and what we feel like you know hospitals need and the problems that we can address? How do we actually communicate that effectively? Um, yeah, and and you know one of the things that you know going back to your your earlier question about kind of the challenges that executives are facing. I mean, there's there's existing large established sales forces out there that have been doing things well for a long time and it's hard to to suddenly shake that up and say well now we need to be talking to these stakeholders and be making these different types of um, arguments and, and, and messaging and that's that's just a, a bit of a, um, a sea change that will take some time for, for companies to transition through and and in in uh, while on that topic um you, I, I presume you think you, you see that as a as a, a, a slow transition, but but maybe can you, can you speak to like how you see that transition actually taking place? Is is this a is this a um, you know taking an existing you know sales force you know for example um, kind of just focusing on sales for you know for um, for lack of time versus marketing, but and and coaching them up to be better better communicate you know, communicators um, or maybe sell to different stakeholders or is that, or do you see that transition happening where sales forces are simply reduced or replaced by uh, folks that, um, that are maybe more proficient um, in communicating economic value, for example. Can you speak to that, well, that topic? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think, I think it's a little bit of, of, of all of the above and mm -hmm. there isn't kind of a, a single, you know, right solution, but I think, you know, arming the, the sales organization with the right tools, and, and a lot of that is the economic tools, uh, is, 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 is certainly part of that. And, and whether it's kind of um, making changes to kind of the existing people or kind of re, retooling and rearming those same people, I, I think is kind of 
dependent on individual companies and, and, and obviously individual people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, but I do think there is an organizational element to this as well, where instead of having you know a, a, an army of kind of current traditional sales reps that are relatively kind of product focused, uh, kind of going at the same institution. Um, and, and frankly, often causing some frustration among the administrators and, and, and causing um, you know, kind of confusing messages for clinicians that are getting a lot of different reps talking to them. I think what we're, what we're seeing, at least from our hospital survey, is a wish for a more coordinated approach, fewer people, fewer uh, touch points, but much higher kind of value delivered when those coordinated kind of visits are made. And so you might have a single point of contact, you know, for an entire IDN or at least for, you know, kind of, um, you know, uh, key stakeholders at, at large systems that bring in specialists in, you know, health economics or product specialists or clinical specialists, you know, as needed to help address specific questions with a deeper uh, kind of more valuable answer versus a generalist that that is forced to try to, you know, touch a lot of different stakeholders asking for different things. So I do think there's kind of some some structural change in how the sales organizations are deployed, um, and and some corresponding kind of uh, uh, rearmament yeah. of the of the tools and, um, and messaging that needs to go with that. Yeah, I like that description. A, uh, a kind of a retooling is probably, uh, probably what we're going to be, uh, going to be seeing over the next, uh, over the next several years. So using, yeah. using those four key questions as sort of the, the foundation, um, let's, let's talk about the kind of the, the four step process, um, that you feel, uh, med tech companies, uh, need to embrace in order to you know get to that that customer that level of customer excellence. Sure. So the, the first one is is you know, what we call you know developing a deep understanding of of customer needs, and that's that's obviously related to understanding what problems uh, a med tech is intending to solve for its customers. So you got to understand your customers' needs, and that's just you know basic marketing 101. The problem though is that a lot of med techs have historically you know, spend less time on understanding customers' needs as opposed to trying to figure out ways to kind of incrementally improve products or kind of tweak the products to add additional features and functions, you know, often independent of understanding how those might fit to customers' needs. And, you know, when we talk about customer needs, definitely don't want to give the impression <laughs> that hospitals are, are monolithic and all, and all have the same needs. In fact, you know, there's there's such huge variation that one of the things that we find a lot of our, our med tech clients asking for these days is understanding hospital segments and how is the right way to think about the universe of hospitals out there so that you're not kind of giving the same solution or the same messaging to a small rural hospital as you are to, a, you know, a Mayo Clinic. Uh, they just have a very different kind of set of behavioral characteristics and uh, the need to understand how those behavioral characteristics vary and what the appropriate segments to go after we think is an important kind of element of understanding customer needs as you're developing solutions to address those, those, those problem areas. Got it. Okay. Okay. The second, the second one would be around... 
um, kind of that optimal solution for the problem at hand. And what we call here is an inter- this is an integrated portfolio that you know almost necessarily includes services that that help make those products uh, come to life more. And you know again, this is this is not limited to you know you don't have to have all of the components yourself as a med tech. You might partner with you know a healthcare IT company or partner with um, a, a a service focused company to help provide that. But you're 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 quarterbacking that delivery, pulling it together, and making it into an integrated solution that can actually address you know that that need to you know reduce hospital acquired infections, reduce um, you know readmission rates, or or whatever the problem is that you're you're, you're targeting. Okay, and, and do, you, do you do you have an example of maybe what that looks like or will look like if if, if it hasn't been if it's not you know being being uh, offered right now uh, for med techs? Well, I mean that's that's where I think the CardioComs and the you know Striker Ascents or the BD Cato software acquisitions come into play. I mean I think you're seeing um, you know companies that are starting to branch out their portfolios uh, in, in kind of new ways. But we, LEK, are also seeing our med tech clients coming to us and saying, gee, you know, what about services? What can we do in services? Are, are there things that we can do in procurement or inventory management or in clinical uh, decision support systems and analytics okay. that, that go beyond um, kind of just the products and, and, and what What's the need out there? What are what are companies that are doing these things today? How can we partner with them or potentially even acquire to to offer that broader functionality? Got it. And that's what that's why you mentioned you know maybe a, a big growth um, engine you know looking looking into the future is going to be health IT because so many of these um, so many so many of these you know whether 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 it's an analytics platform or a clinical decision making platform or some sort of economic you know. Uh, economical platform. It's going to be largely driven by um, by technology or by I, you know, more specifically by um, uh, software. Um, so that's why you, I, I can see that you mentioned, you know, health IT is going to be big. You know, looking into the future. Yeah, or at least data and, and data analytics, which sure. you know, everyone knows that that <laughs> that's important, and that's obviously where most of the hospital spending growth is. Uh, most of the spending. You know, a lot of spending has been done on developing IT systems. Uh, now a lot of the money is being shifted towards how do they integrate those systems and do, do um, analytics with the data that they have so that it can actually use the data, not just collect the data. So um, that kind of um, that, that spend on healthcare IT will continue um, in the future for sure. But I think the the challenge for the med techs will be to to, to leverage the the data that is useful and and help help the hospitals convert that into something that can actually result in um, you know kind of improved efficiency or outcomes within the departments or hospital functional areas that those med tech companies are focusing on. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Um... Great. So let's let's move on to kind of the. Is there anything else to add under this sort of this bullet point um, of kind of the the integration, the integrated portfolio and, and value added services umbrella? No, I think the next point probably brings it to life a bit more, which is around you know making 
making very sure that that value, that the solution that you are offering is is clearly articulated. And, and it might sound obvious and uh, easy to do, but it's shocking how rarely we see uh, med tech companies do a good job of this. Um, I mean, in, in, in most other industries where you, you know, whenever you, you, you make a claim about your, um, you know, your, your value proposition, you often have to back it up and show it. But yeah, I think in, in healthcare, it's, it's tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and med tech companies historically have not had the, the need to do so because the clinicians have been very happy to adopt the latest and greatest technology without really kind of putting the, the, the you know, the pressure on to, to say, well, how exactly is this helping in terms of, uh, reducing our costs or improving outcomes um, in, in non-clinical ways. So the the bar, I think, is 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 growing uh, for for med tech companies to do a better job of articulating the value proposition in economic terms. Um, a good example here: we we've uh, we've done some work helping a client um, that had a pre-filled syringe solution. Um, that would would help uh, hospitals in a lot of ways. So everyone knows that well. Prefilled syringe solutions are are good at helping reduce medication errors. They reduce some of the uh, labor that's involved in in preparing the the syringes. Um, they can help reduce some types of waste. Um, and there's a you know some other kind of smaller benefits that that are out there. But the problem was these benefits accrue to different types of stakeholders. And a lot of these benefits are just very difficult to quantify, mm-hmm. and, and and that made it difficult for uh, our client to be able to you know actually get the pharmacy directors to approve uh, purchasing of, of prefilled syringes because the pharmacy directors really just cared about their their budget and, and didn't care as much about some of the things that were happening outside of the pharmacy. Um, and it required kind of a, a, a robust effort to kind of walk through the process, identify all the points in the, the workflow where medication errors can occur, what the rate of medications errors is, what type of errors could be addressed by pre-filled syringes, how much direct cost those errors uh, tend to incur, how much the indirect costs uh, can ac- incur, and, and turning this into a clear, um, you know, economic model that actually shows how all of those different benefits that this, you know, in this case, pre-filled syringes um, could could provide to the hospital that went well beyond just the pharmacy director. And that's the type of exercise that I think med techs are going to have to do much more consistently to show, in economic terms at the end of the day, why a hospital should adopt their solutions versus uh, either staying with the status quo or, or going with someone else's. Got it. Okay. Um, no, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Let's, uh, let's, let's move on to that, that, fourth, uh, that fourth step in this process. Yeah. Well, and, and the fourth step then is, just, is then just taking that kind of clearly articulated value proposition and, and turning it into you know, the appropriate set of tools and, and documentation and knowing which people to, to share, share that with. So, you know, for example, you know, even knowing at an individual hospital who, who are the right 
influencers? You know, is it part of an IDN? Is the decision uh, being made at a at a even more centralized location? Um, what is the right um, target <laughs> to go after? Is is often not as clear as it used to be, right? And if if the if the call point in the past was the orthopedic surgeon that was in the OR, but now you know there's there's more uh, centralized decision making and Obviously, the IDNs are, are consolidating and, and, and buying up other other hospitals, so it's becoming a little bit harder to know even what how do you define an account? Who are the decision makers within that account? And then once you once you can answer those questions, then it's a matter of well, who are the right people within the medtech's organization that should be calling on on those on those uh, decision makers? And oftentimes, we're talking about pretty pretty senior centralized decision makers are going to need to see um, uh, you know, very compelling um, you know, arguments backed up by you know, economic models and, and, and clear, um, a, a, that clear value pro- proposition articulation that frankly is not really being um, delivered today in, in, in many companies. So right. uh, you don't want to develop the value proposition but but leave it kind of on the table or 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 trying to share it with with people that aren't going to be able to, to do anything about it right yeah that, that is sort of the 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 clear and uh, you know last step or end step in the process is is taking that 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 data that value that message and actually delivering it at the right time and to the, to the right people and I think um, if I remember correctly leading up to this this interview you sent me um, maybe a different report and I remember reading a comment from or maybe it was a couple comments from um, from hospital administrators uh, to that point of, of you know they have they've got like a lot of contacts um, at med tech companies but um, but they were you know rather frustrated that they you know they would actually prefer one contact versus you know versus many for example um, that's right yeah and anyway, it, that goes back to the kind of you know the single point of contact with a with a set of specialists mm-hmm. versus kind of a a kind of a generalist army that goes after you know primarily clinicians. Got it. And that's obviously in in, in contrast to a lot of uh, you know how 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 device companies are organized and you know oftentimes divided into sort of business units by by therapeutic area. But you know maybe maybe that's not uh, maybe looking into the future that's not the best way. Or maybe the most effective way um, from an organization standpoint. Um, so let, let's just let's just review because there's 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 a lot of really good um, really good stuff in those four steps. Let's just review those um, real quick. So the first step would be you know you know have a deep understanding of what your customers in this case hospitals um, need, not just physicians, but you know hospital all key stakeholders basically what they really truly need. Uh, be able to offer uh, offer an integrated portfolio uh, of products and in, in some cases complementary services. Um, being mm-hmm. able to you know third, being able to to clearly articulate uh, you know that that value proposition, and then you know lastly um, you know to, to sort of uh, not necessarily sum it up, but the, kind of the last step in that process would be making sure that you present that data and that 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 uh, that offering to the right uh, to the right folks to the right audience. Uh, in the right team. Is that, is that a decent summary? No, I think that's right. And I think, you know, for for someone that might be outside of the med tech industry, that might sound just very, very obvious. <laughs> um, and perhaps to people within the med tech industry too. But again, if you if you kind of apply um, kind of 
a reasonable um, perspective on kind of how how med tech companies have been doing this, you know, for the last 30 years. You know, I think it's fair to say that these four steps are often not well executed. So understanding yeah. customer needs has not been kind of first and, and foremost. Having integrated portfolios that actually kind of holistically uh, address a problem in a, in a very kind of customer-centric solution-oriented manner, not often well executed. Understanding and articulating the economic value proposition, very unusual and very, very rare for, for med tech companies to do that on a consistent basis. And then finally, on the on the delivering the message to the to the right you know audience, you know, given the changes in decision making, it's not surprising that it's it's hard to flip a switch and change you know all the relationships that have been built up over the last you know few decades among the sales organizations and, and suddenly say okay now go talk to you know different people with different set of needs. So right. it's not surprising that it's kind of evolved the way it has. But you know going back to your initial question, you know what keeps the executives up at night in the medtech industry. I think it's how do they evolve from kind of the past state to kind of the new world and the new world in the future where, you know, these four steps are, are just going to have to be, you know, like clockwork. Right. And, and, it, and it almost, you know, as simple as, 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 simple as, as those four steps sound, um, you, you know, there's so many moving parts that when you actually take each step um, and, and sort of silo it, if you will, it, you know, because of all the moving parts and the and the the constant change, it it, it actually gets somewhat overwhelming um, <laughs> when you when you you know kind of kind of begin to think about uh, uh, think yeah. about you know it, um, you know like a particular you know product franchise, for example. And so you know, may, I'm not sure if you would if you would agree with this, Jonas, but uh, but maybe a good exercise would be if you're if you're director over a certain product franchise within the med tech company. You know, maybe sitting down and looking at each of your, you know, your product buckets and going, you know, going through this four-step process would be, you know, a great idea. You know, does this product? Do I really truly understand the needs that this product is, is supposedly meeting? You know, um, what other value-added services could we potentially offer alongside this product? You know, do, are we are we clearly artic- articulating the value of this product? And which, yeah. um, and then and then lastly, you know, are, are we are we presenting to the wrong audience? You know, um, do we have the right uh, you know, the right message, uh, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I, I like, I like what you said though, as, as simple as, as simple as maybe those, those sound, it, um, um, it almost, it almost, because of the, because there's so many moving parts, it almost is, it's a, it's a really good thing to kind of go back to those basics in a sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. great. So, so, um, so in light of that, um, there's like, and, and are you, um, do you offer this, this survey? I presume you, you, you're willing to offer it to anyone who requests it, correct? Yeah, no, the, the, the hospital survey that we do every year is something that we, we, we do to share with our clients and prospective clients. So yeah, happy to, to share with, with that, share that with people that are interested. Yeah. So, um, and I presume, maybe, well, I guess let's let's let me ask you that before I, before we uh, we move on to the the, the next question. Um, what what's the what what is the best way for you know folks in, folks listening to this that want to either reach out to you uh, directly um, or um, or maybe want a copy of this survey? What what would be the best the best way to to do that? I think probably just go to the le. Hey Jonas. Jonas? Yeah, Scott, I was just saying the best way to, to 
reach me <laughs> or or LEK would be just going to the LEK website. Okay. So that's lek.com, and within that, uh, it's not hard to navigate to our med tech practice, and from there, uh, a lot of the information is, is, is in fact available in our executive insight documents, and, uh, and my contact information is in there as well. Okay, so lek.com, uh, I'll of course link up to that in, in, the, uh, in the show notes for this interview. Um, so, so in light of those, those, that, that, that four-step process, and then, and then even, even before that, the, you know, the four key questions that we covered, um, in your opinion, what do you think uh, you know, med tech companies need to implement like right now or immediately uh, versus maybe something that they need at least at the very least have on their radar, uh, you know, looking three, four, five years down the road? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing that I would recommend is, is something that I, I get a lot of calls about, which is making sure that the current products that, that med tech companies have um, do in fact create economic value for their customers um, because I think the the bar for clinical um, value is is set. That's just table stakes. If uh-huh. you can if you can do better, that's great. But you know the good enough mentality is 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 becoming pretty strong. And so in order to gain traction there is a need to show the administrators that there's an economic benefit as well. And so um, the, the, the discipline of putting into effect in the organizations a, a more clear articulation of that value proposition, I think, is, is uh, it's very doable because I think what will happen is, in some cases, you know, people look up you know, in, in the mirror and see, you know what, we're actually not creating a lot of value with this product or this set of products. Well, that that should you know raise a red flag to either kind of move to others or find ways to make the existing products you know actually do do more. Uh-huh. And so, and the reason why this is particularly important is because in the next several years we expect that hospitals are going to increasingly look for some kind of risk sharing and gain sharing arrangements with their suppliers and if you're unable to you know clearly understand your own economic if you're unable to clearly understand the economic value that you're bringing to your customers you will not be in a position to offer any sort of risk sharing or gain sharing arrangement so this is a kind of prerequisite for uh, those types of programs which we think in the future will um, become you know much more um, much more likely. I, I think that's really important, and we don't have a lot of time. But can you can you briefly touch on that that concept or that idea of risk sharing and gain sharing? Sure. I mean, if you ask the hospitals what what they want to see from med tech companies in the future, uh, the thing that pops to the top of the list in terms of kind of changes from today is they want to see more of that, more risk sharing and um, having their suppliers take, you know, basically put their money where their mouths are, right? And yeah. say, you know, hey, we're gonna we're gonna adopt these products, but we want you to be our partner and and share in the risks and rewards associated with with that. Um, and so there's a strong latent need from hospitals for those types of arrangements. But frankly, the hospitals don't know much about what that involves, other than wanting to shift some of the risk away from themselves, right? And so 
the, the current state of risk-sharing programs is very nascent, and you don't really have any good examples within the device space of, of true risk-sharing arrangements that, that I've seen. Um, but that's not because there isn't demand for it. I think it's more because the suppliers haven't been able to figure out a way to offer it that, that actually works um, and that has available metrics to monitor to enable kind of a, a kind of two-way win. But before they can get there, again, they need to understand how much value they're creating in the first place right. to be able to say how much they can share and how much risk they're they're willing internally to take on. Yeah, nearly so ne yeah, nearly impossible to come up with some sort of risk risk sharing agreement uh, that would work without without understanding <laughs> clear clearly understanding uh, you know the uh, the the economic value that you actually bring to the table. That's right. Yeah. Um, no, great, great, great stuff. And I and I um, yeah, you still have a few minutes. Is this okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Real quick. Um, I mentioned this at the beginning of the, of the interview, but you I, you you opened or co-founded uh, LEK's Tokyo office, correct? Okay, so we're back. Uh, slight technical difficulty there, but uh, the last question I had for you, Jonas, is um, I believe you opened or or co-founded the 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 uh, the Tokyo office for LEK. Um, can you can you speak about that? Because you're kind of a a Midwest guy. You you at least went to school in the Midwest. So how did you end up in uh, over in uh, Japan? Um, it was, uh, at the time, uh, a, a neat opportunity to, to spend a bit of time in Japan, and it turned into, the, the six-month project turned into a six-year uh, stint. So um, it was, wasn't planned, but uh, an, an interesting path to take nonetheless. Uh, I, got, I, got, I got to think, though, that your experience over in, uh, over in Japan um, um, is probably a huge value add that you bring to the table in terms of, uh, in terms of helping MedTechs, though, focus on their, kind of their strategies in Asia, though. Yeah, I mean, Japan was uh, was and, and still is a, a critical part of uh, a lot of device companies, uh, you know, geographies. It's been a, a large, profitable market, even though it might not be growing as fast as some of the other um, uh, Asian countries. Um, but yeah, it has a, a lot of unique uh, characteristics and challenges to uh, to overcome to kind of tap into that opportunity. So. Um, you know, that was, that was something I helped a lot of our clients deal with. Got it. Um, no, great stuff. And I, and I can't thank you enough for, for coming out on the program and, and, and taking some time out of your schedule to, to kind of help us learn uh, a little bit more about, uh, the insights that you gleaned from this most recent LEK hospital survey and, and, and what the, you know, what the impact is for med tech companies. Uh, so thanks again for, for, for your willingness to do this. No, my pleasure, Scott. Appreciate it. And for those listening who have who have hung on this long, um, if you're uh, if you're interested in in uh, listening to other MedSider interviews, uh, just go to MedSider.com um, and click on the radio button, and that will uh, provide you with a, a couple of different links to um, uh, to download the all of the audio files, whether you listen to them in iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever uh, whatever. Um, app you prefer so uh, check it out when you get a chance but um, anyway uh, until the next episode of MedSider everyone take care